Welcome, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. <laughs> this is episode number 53. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle of the American Energy Alliance. And I'll be your waiter, Mike McKenna. Welcome back, everybody. Number 53. Uh, I don't know. There's somebody. Bobby Abreu. Oh, Remember yeah, Bobby Abreu? Sure, two seasons? Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he was traded to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Between the 2008 and 2009 seasons. So he never got to participate in the glorious 2009 World Series, which is the only one that we have been in with it with in the last 20 years. But that's a whole different story. And say, we are told that we have to save all the sports talk for the end. We're not end. talking about sports at the end, just so you know. But I will say this, two, two, two other things. Another number 50. Well, let me get back to Bobby Bray. He he stole the last base in the old Yankee Stadium. Did he give it back? And the other number fifty three, much more significant in baseball. Yes, Don Drysdale. Boo, boo, yes, boo hiss. But you know what him and Sandy Koufax did for those years, for all those years. At, managed at, to at, cough at up. Managed to cough up World Series loss after World Series loss, and. He was also a good hitter. Don, Dyes, Don, Don Drysdale. Drysdale. He, he was actually, yeah, he, he had a really good bat. So anyways, that, that is the, uh, those, are your, those are your baseball trivia numbers. For we're not Dodgers fans, so we're rooting for the Braves. Go Bravos. Okay. Uh, besides, any good name Freddie Freeman needs to be, you know, <laughs> guy sounds like an extra on Taxi. Okay, we're going, <laughs> let's get back to baseball at the end. we, we got to save the dessert. So. Uh, we did. Look, a good friend of us. Look, uh, I like Rob. I like Rob a lot, but I am not letting Rob like decide like what we're talking about on this this whatever it is. Last Saturday, last Saturday, Donald Trump, Donald was in Iowa, combed his hair. No, yeah, for a big rally. It was a good size rally. Line lines around the corner as usual for Donald Trump, which tells you some of what there is to do in Iowa on a Saturday night. (laughs) I'll do one clip from that. As we gather tonight, millions of Americans are realizing that Joe Biden and the radical left have brought our nation to the brink of ruin. There's never been anything like what has happened. After just nine months under Biden, violent criminals and bloodthirsty gangs are taking over our streets. (laughs) Illegal aliens and deadly drug cartels are taking over our borders. Inflation is taking over our economy. China's taking over our jobs. The Taliban has taken over Afghanistan. Lunatic leftists are taking over our schools and radical socialists are taking over our country. And we're not going to let that happen. Vintage Donald J. Trump. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not not really sure that all that's true, but okay. (laughs) That has never impaired anybody from talking in the past. Why should it in the future? Well, of course, he did uh, He did the classic Donald Trump rally where he was on script, and, and then off. he was off script. And yeah. when he was off script, it was pretty much all about 2000. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening, so I was listening to, to what you just played, right? And I thought, okay, that's Steve Miller, right up until the lunatic left, because that's not how he writes. So my guess is the boss like inserted that at the last minute. Um my understanding is word count had more on the 2020 election than any of the other stuff, yeah, yeah. which, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make it as simple as I possibly can. 
it again, 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 and again. I've said this, and I get the feeling I'm going to get to write it and say it like 500 more times between now and 2024. Nobody, and I mean nobody, votes for grievance. People vote for the future. They do not vote for the past, and they sure as hell don't vote for anybody's private grievances. Well, he still has them, and it's still, a, yeah, going to be a fixture. At, uh, he still has the grievances. Yes. Well, he's an old man. He's going to hold on right. to the grievances until right. he's dead. I mean, you know, he's, he guy remembers the last bowl of soup he didn't like. So um, if he runs, which it looks like uh, he's at least making overtures to do so and or keeping it alive, obviously. Again, I will predict that he again will not run in 2024, but I agree he's making it sound like he will. Go ahead. It will be an interesting matchup between his rhetoric and Biden's. Parenthetically, when you build a charging station, it's like back in the day when my grandpa worked for the Merrill Canola Company back in the turn of the, in the 1920 in that area. They went from state to state convincing people that they put they allowed them to put 20,000 gallons of gasoline under the ground. They didn't want them around. But get- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> 330 million Americans, and we have got these two old guys circling each other in a ring. It's just sad. One of them is like crazy, and the other is like mentally gone. It's just, it. I, how did it come to this, America? I do not know. I do not know. I'll circle back to not not Jan. Oh, come on. Circle back to Iowa for a second. Two other data points. One. One. uh, This is just painful. This is just painful. It's going to be as good. Chuck Rassley is running again. Sure, man. Because, you know, when you think about what America needs, it's a 94-year-old senator. He's he's unconscionable to me. I just, I just, he, he... we talk about energy policy a lot. He's largely responsible for a lot of the problems that you're seeing right now. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give Senator Grassley all the all, all the, the credit. credit or the glory. Some of it RFS wind production tax credit. Some of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree with all that. Some of it belongs to Bill Coetzel, um, over in the Speaker's office, right? So he's the guy who wrote the RFS into law. The first one, and I think the second one too. So, you know, Grassley was no doubt the leader, but you got to have lieutenants. Bill, congratulations. You've done great work. Okay. And one other data point in Iowa is uh, Republican John Dunwell. This is from the Des Moines Register. Wins special Iowa House election in Newton. Yeah. Okay. So this is this, actually, this is actually, 20... this is actually the important news in Iowa this week. This was a 20, he got 60% of the vote, which is a uh, 20 point swing yeah, man. from Democrat to Republican. This is a seat that's been in Democratic hands for 45 yeah. years. And he's just, uh, let's see, a pastor and financial service representative. Which, by the way, you know, if you can both be a pastor and give out <laughs> sound financial yeah, advice, it's a great combo. Yeah. Um, anyway, this was his second time running. Yeah. Uh, and he lost in 2020 by three points. Yep. And he's a kid, right? Uh, he's younger. He's not, you know. He's a child. He's, he's like 40. 55. My God, he looks pretty good for 55. So, uh, 
I gotta, I gotta, I gotta improve my diet or something. So that's a sixty forty Republican House um, uh, in uh, Iowa, but the but this is potentially a precursor, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You don't. You, you got know, the mayor's race down in Texas. We talked about yeah, a couple of these specials. It, it, it you lose it, parties in power always lose specials, right? Um, but you shouldn't be losing this kind of thing, um, and the. Uh, you know, Virginia's coming up, right? And that's... Yeah, we're going to get to Virginia. I got some good stuff on that. I will wait patiently. <clears throat> um, one other note from Iowa. This uh, Trump, uh, this was in the Des Moines Register. I feel like I'm on the farm report. Their poll, their, you know, the favorability, unfavorable. I'm sorry, the DMRs, the Des Moines Registers? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, 53% favorable, 45 unfavorable for Trump. Yeah. Highest they ever recorded. Yeah. So... So, ladies and gentlemen, the Republicans can win Iowa. Didn't we win Iowa last time? Uh, did he win Iowa? Yeah, he won Iowa. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I, Iowa's been trending. Iowa's been. Iowa. That's the farm report. That's the farm report. <laughs> the Trump report. Get out there and slaughter your hogs, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Um, where do we want to go next? I, I, you know, I'm perfectly content to stay in Iowa and, and. Go to Sioux City. No, you know where most, I want to go? Most I wanna, depressing I place do on this. the continent. I want to do this. I want to talk G20 in Rome a little bit. Really? Yep. I'd rather talk Nancy Pelosi in Rome. This is just a couple of quick uh, observations. Uh, one report. I'm sorry. Are we really going to do something on the G20? Yeah, just really Did we briefly... become like? Did we become rich white Republicans <laughs> while I was asleep? No, 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 no. Just really quickly and bear with me here. Okay. President Xi announced that he does not plan to attend Rome Summit in person. Envoys tell G20 officials. Diplomats cited China's COVID-19 protocols as a reason. And the fact that Mr. Xi will be busy invading Taiwan that weekend. And so. or securing more coal. Or he's actually doing what he should be doing. Going on a drilling spree. Drilling or spree. doing other important matters. Trademark. Boing. Meanwhile, um, President Biden will be, at, will be uh, attending the G20 in Rome. And he will be visiting... Pope Francis, His Holiness, yeah, to discuss two issues, really, COVID nineteen and abortion. No, no, not abortion. Uh, Climate change. Wow. Well, it was yes. close. Yes. It was close. I was, I was near. So, um, even though uh, he is visiting the Pope to talk about those two issues, he also made some news this week. This is from LifeNews.com. Pope Francis condemns abortion. It really is a murder. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of sad when you have to say good for the pontiff for speaking clearly and directly about a matter of conscience. There's a quote. Abortion is more than an issue. Abortion is murder. Those who carry out abortions kill. The textbooks teach us that. But it is, is it right to take out to solve a problem? And this is why the church is so strict on this issue, because... It is kind of like accepting this is accepting daily murder, et cetera, et cetera. So he had a, a, a fairly strong. You know, he started off strong. He'd have been better if he just ended at the yeah, end of the first I sentence. Yeah, I agree with you. But I, I do find it interesting and ironic, though, that uh, at the same time that he's going to meet with Biden on climate change and COVID, uh, that well, this subject is swirling I, around. You know, so. I, you, you know my sentiments about this particular um, Bishop of Rome, but... Um, I try to remember that that when he walked the earth, our Lord had um, dinner with sinners and publicans and and whores. 
and and tax collectors and tax collectors and ob well public is right tax collectors and obviously uh, his you know the successor of Peter is just trying to roll that all into one big meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was given good advice by a, a, a Monsignor to get my spiritual get, advice from from the Pontiff, not my political. Get your advice get your head right, Tom. Did he give you any financial advice after mm-hmm. that? No, just donate. That's just give, of, that's, just give, right? <laughs> that's the kind of financial advice you get in our line of work. So Biden's going to meet the Pope to talk about the climate, looking for climate to, crisis, looking forward to the horrible, horrible communique that's going to come out of that thing. Yeah, uh, and another and another administration news. Did anybody know this? Um, Secretary of Transportation has been on parental leave. Yeah, he's been on maternity leave. leave. Yeah, paternity, paternity, maternity, leave, maternity leave, whatever. Uh, for about two months. Yes, I knew that. Why is everyone surprised by that? I, because I don't think anyone realized he was even gone. Mike, did well, you yeah. realize he was gone? No, I'd ever miss him. I mean, who? How? How would one know? So our good friend Phil Kirpin tweeted this out. Oh no. And asked, "Did anyone really notice? What would you say?" You do here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. so, okay, so the funny part of this story. He's I got mean, a meaning with the bops. Yeah, I got it. The, f- the funny thing about this story, apart from the fact that the Secretary of Transportation has picked this moment to be elsewhere, right, um, is that yesterday or day before the president had the deputy secretary at some function in, in the in the – White House, right? A guy named John Porcari, right? Who's actually a fairly competent professional, right? And this man is so important to the administration, right? Unkinking supply chains throughout the yeah, planet, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. that the president referred to him not once, not twice, not three times, but four times as Joe Porcari. Joe. Yeah. His actual given Christian name is John. Yeah. So I'm like, just in case you think you're an important guy, Mr. Deputy Secretary. <laughs> I, oh, felt kind, by the way, I felt kind of bad for him. He's running the department. He's doing his best. The president's like, hey, the, Joe. The comedy of errors uh, is is so what? It's it's just out in the open on all of this stuff. I mean, um, I, I'm not a big – I don't watch her show all the time, but Laura Ingram just did, did a jag and just went through each of these guys and, like, their responses to what's going on out there. And it's evident that they don't have a mastery of any of the issues in no, their portfolios. I, okay. It's crazy. Okay. So two things. One thing about that. Well, two things. First off, I guarantee you it was her producer who talked – one of her producers who talked her into it. Probably Bastash. No doubt Mike Bastash, yeah, right? Who's yeah. a fine young American. You're crazier than we are. Um so they had this meeting with the oil and gas guys, which I assume we're going to get into. I was going to get to that. Okay. Well, we'll get to it in a second. Right. The important thing – you can be next. I'll next, do it next. No, 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 no. Take it whenever. I don't care. Nope. The I, important can, thing, I can jump around. The important thing about that meeting with the oil – those meetings with the oil and gas guys was who went for the administration. Secretary of State Tony Blinken, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo, um, Special Climate Czar – Gina McCarthy, yeah, and Brian Deese. Who, by the way, had them hauled them in a few weeks ago to harangue them about, harangue climate, them change. about climate change. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know the good thing about Gina is she always hanging, calling somebody and haranguing them about something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. and Brian Deese, the terrifying thing about that collection of human beings is 
Tom Vilsack, the guy from agriculture, probably knows more about energy than anybody yeah. else. Well, I will. Uh, I usually don't go into this level of of you uh, depth on on a, on a subject, but I have three articles. Oh boy! All referencing the this this very issue. The first is from Politico. White House huddles with oil industry as gas prices climb. They're they're roughly the same article, but I wanted to pull out some different quotes. Of course, um. Because you'll recognize some of these names. Yeah, sure. Mr. Mr. Mar- Oil industry officials. Mr. Marion Brown is in this story. And experts said the White House t- team had experience in renewable energy markets, but relatively few people with detailed <laughs> knowledge of oil markets. <laughs> the problem a- of the moment. Senior staff, uh, senior staff is preoccupied with trying to identify options to bring down oil prices, which they, are, which they believe are driving... The inflation uptick, said Stephen Brown, a longtime energy lobbyist and current strategist with RBJ Strategies. Some producers will talk to them, but it's also not likely that they have a lot of friends in this sector. It's nice to hear Stephen's voice again. Glad I haven't he's seen working. a quote from him in a while. Glad he's working. Shout out to you, Mr. Brown. Give us a call. Uh, the second article is from Yahoo, and I wanted to bring this up, yeah. and, and I will... Only Yahoo News, I will only pull a couple of quotes from it because I want to give a shout out Uh-oh. where it's due. Anne Bradbury's in the story. Yes, I wanted AXPC. to say something. Yes, I wanted to say something nice about that as By well. By pursuing policies that restrict supply and make it harder to produce oil and natural gas here in America, Americans will have to pay more for their energy. Uh, and then she had a nice long one about ensuring supply. Um, and sensible this and that and the other, and you know, stopping pipelines, slowing permitting, raising taxes, and increasing regulatory burdens will only drive up costs and hurt Americans. Okay, let's just stop right there. Um, apparently, some weeks ago, months ago, whatever it was, um, I, I was overly bitchy with respect to XPC, like because they're in favor of a carbon tax. We're playing footsie on a carbon tax. I can't even really remember. So I want to especially point out that Ann did a great job on this. Yes. What I don't understand is where the hell's Mike Summers? Did he did he die? Is he alive? Is is Coates, are you hiding him somewhere? <laughs> he this this should be him. This should be him. No, I'm actually and, glad and, and, it's Ann. I think she's doing a good job uh, representing and and at a girl. Amen. Amen. Uh, one other quote, though, I thought you would find this one interesting oh, in boy. the same article. This is in me. And it? I want you to guess who it is. Okay. No objective person is going to blame the administration for the current global energy crisis. True. Uh, no objective person. Um, uh, the former, I'll, I'll leave the name blank. The former top and international energy advisor for President Trump. Former top international advisor. George David Banks. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I just thought you're kidding. You're kidding. That out there. It, it, okay. And of course, uh, Secretary Jenny said, uh, so, so, reminded so us that all tools are on the table. Like, obviously. All the tools are on the table. As I, I, did, 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 you know, the good news is nobody asked her what tools they had. Um, did Dave really say that? Yeah, he really said that. Dave, that was his quote. Okay, Dave, how do you get how do you get caught on record saying something like that? Come on, at least butch it up a little bit on an email later on. Okay, what I want to do though is I want to play a local story on this. I think it's uh, it's worth getting like a a, a, a on the ground perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, a local story. Yep. 
Is this about gas prices yep. going up? Yep, the, yep, 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 the, yep. Hold on. Florida now seeing an average of $3.17 at the pump, the highest since 2014. And depending on where you go, it could be even higher. We found at least two stations in Miami where regular gas is $4.59. Doesn't it make you want to cry looking at that number? Yes. For sure. The national average for gas is $3.27. Here's what it's looking like in South Florida. Dade at $3.18, Broward at $3.21, Monroe $3.24, and Palm Beach County at $3.32. I'm really worried about gas prices going up. That's going to really hammer a lot of Floridians who have to commute to work every day. Certainly since the average gas price rose 12 cents last week, according to AAA. The supplies are not what they used to be. The ship, there's a whole host of things uh, that are really uh, having problems right now. And so I'm sure we've all started to see those numbers creeping up ever so slightly there, but now it's really starting to affect our wallets. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. You know, look, we, we, <laughs> we laugh a lot about this, but... This is a huge problem. You know, this is a this is a huge problem and what's happening in Europe is affecting us, right? Because the 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 Chinese especially, but the Europeans are out there scrambling for supplies, right? Well, they're for, burning oil for crude, for gas, for coal, and that exacerbates, you know, this the the, the stupidity of the Europeans with respect to energy and that, you know, the the transition, I'm going to put that in quotes, right? The forced energy transition. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it is coming back to, to bite us, and you can't have economic growth with gas prices over three bucks. You no just way. Can't. No way. Crazy. But here's the thing. This and, and, is you know, not... the, and, and the Biden guys know that, which is why they had that stupid meeting. The problem is, is there's always a lead time. Well, yeah, but, the, but there's a few things going on here. One is the, there is not a supply problem with these commodities. He was plenty of money. We are the Saudi Arabia of coal. We are the, you know, we are the new energy, you know, number one producer. Um, Globally, this is not an issue of supply. It's an issue of bad planning. It's an issue of bad policies. And it's an issue of not, uh, of letting these energy markets be run by bureaucrats, NGOs, and, you know, know, official, you know. Actually, in a way, I wouldn't mind if it was run by bureaucrats. Guys at DOE know about know more about these markets than the political guys for sure. It, it's look. It, yeah. Sorry. It, anytime you have, anytime you have, I, I'm going to say this as nicely as I possibly can. Anytime you have Tony Blinken and Gina McCarthy in a meeting about how to moderate oil and gas prices, you're in a ditch so deep that you can't pull yourself yeah, they're, out. They're completely. It's crazy. And they're you know the terrible... out of their league on this yeah, stuff. There, it, nobody understands energy markets. Just... Nobody understands how, how this stuff gets. That's right. Where it gets. That's right. And 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 you know that's why that's why at the top of it, you know, with um, uh, Mayor Pete, right? Mayor Pete being off the reservation for two months. I'm like, yeah, I knew it, but who could possibly care? Because when supply chains start to get kinked, and when gas prices go up, who on this planet of the eight billion people on this planet who wakes up in the morning and says you know who we need here we need mayor pete on the job yeah well the other thing is the secretary of labor marty walsh to address the fact that there are one and a half jobs available yeah man for every 
job seeker yeah. is saying, well, we need to like work on this really from a holistic point of view. And we need to like, I don't know, work on, you know, in, let's get some apprenticeships going. Right. Okay. I mean, absolutely insane. Right. Two. So, so two other things. One, yeah. Biden's little, um, little, little, um, podium, little presser on the, on the big announcement about the, the ports in Long Beach and in, yeah. in, in LAX. I'm going right? to make everybody work 24 We're going to work 24 seven. And, and it, I just, we, we spent weeks, days in, in serious negotiations on it. Like what role does the administration have yeah. on this? None, zero. It is a press release designed to to create the illusion that they're doing something. There is no you can keep that open twenty five hours a day if there are no trucks and there are no workers to take the stuff out of the cargo holds and put them in the trucks and get them out. Yeah. Into the into yeah. the country, it doesn't matter how right. long they're it, open. And you know the funny thing is, I mean, it, it, three things. One, um, part of me is glad because these guys are making the Trump guys look good every day. I know. I mean, you're just I like, I'm like, dude, you know, the value the of my re- getting it the too. value of my resume is improving every day. These guys are in charge. Um, two, I hate to say this, but it's starting to look like the worst administration since the Carter administration. I mean, the Carter guys. At least we're trying. They didn't know what they were doing, but they were trying. I have the feeling these guys aren't even trying. And in three, just thinking about the the twenty four seven thing. You know the easy answer on this trucking thing. That I mean, it's not the it's not the most appealing, but it's the easiest Hours answer. Hours of service, huh? Hours of service. Hours of service right away. I assume they already yeah. waived them, right? I can't imagine they didn't. You got fifty thousand guys driving trucks in the military. Let them, let them, let them go. Um, let them go drive trucks off Long Beach. Well, I mean, two I, things. I mean, you know, you, if you think, if you if you really are jammed, and it looks like we're really jammed. We are really jammed. Who's, I, I who's got skill here? We are really jammed. Who's got skill? And yeah. you're like, you got 50,000 truck drivers working for the military sitting around doing nothing now. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Right. I know what you mean. They're, you're they're, saying they could be put to use, but they, the, but they shouldn't need to, need to be. They shouldn't need to be. The, I am sure that if I'm a private trucker if i'm a, if i own my own rig and I, yeah. I, I do contracts i could go anywhere i don't have to deal with california's yeah man that's exactly right i don't have to deal with california that's right you know what maybe 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 we start screening those two hundred thousand folks coming into the border every month <laughs> and assign them who can drive, minute, minute, who can drive a truck no no we can just assign them to all the jobs that americans are not Won't doing do. right now <laughs> right across the board like you applebee's you truck driver <laughs> Hertz Rent-A-Car, you, <laughs> casino, right? Like everywhere I have gone in the last six months, there are signs everywhere. Help wanted, we're hiring everywhere, sure. well, everywhere. It, it, you know, there's about four million. There's about four million more jobs than there are people applying for them. Not people unemployed, but people applying for them. One last thought on this is about the administration. It's about. It's about how you think about things, about how flexible you are mentally. You know, Secretary Granholm said, hey, um, we're going to use all the tools at our disposal. How much do you want to bet me that they would never even consider waiving the Jones Act? That the, it would instantly help free things right up away. dramatically. You could right wheel away. gas around. You, I mean, right it would be like the easiest thing that they could do. Never going to do it. Not in a right. million years.
Right. So all the tools. Yeah. They're not using the tools that they can actually right. use. Exactly. Right? And, and, and that's and my it point. Is, it, you're, you're right that, you know, if they didn't kill Keystone, we wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily mean oil is flowing to the Gulf refineries. If they didn't like turn off the leasing process, kill the Arctic leases in Anwar, if they didn't do those things, they would, yeah, I get it. The, the talking point on this side is, well, even if we did all those things, th that stuff wouldn't come on the market until way past, doesn't matter. It's the signals that they're sure. sending. Sure. It's the same, the same, it's the same mentality that is not going to allow them to suspend the Jones Act. I it's the same mentality. I think that, the, I think Trump would do that in this situation. Sure. I don't know that we would be in this situation. We would not be in this situation. But he would, I think he would That's do right. that. I That's think he right. would overcome Senator Kennedy in Louisiana, right? And and Garrett and, I don't, and the, I, the delegation. You know, I, so, uh, look, I'm just a simple country boy, but I'll tell you right now, um, boss didn't really care all that much about those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would that probably wouldn't have even been considered in this conversation. Have been like, who's in favor, who's opposed, and when you know the list of who's I mean, opposed would have gone up. At a cares? minimum, at, coming out of this, they have to lift the Jones Act for LNG. If they, if they can just do that narrow sliver, yeah, do it for everything. They have to do it for everything. Refined. I, I agree. Refined product too, right? I agree. Yeah. But some we got to have a somewhere we got to have an opening yeah. on this yeah. thing. I mean, right? like I said, could, try to imagine the world if the president walked out of there and said, "Look, walked out onto the thing and said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, enable these guys to pay United States um, Armed Forces personnel to drive trucks, right? Guys whose MOS is, is truck driver, right? Where that makes sense, we're going to we're going to uh, make that happen, including National Guard, where that makes sense, blah, blah, blah. We're going to federalize that. We'll, we'll pay for the National Guard. And then second, we're going to waive the Jones Act, right? We're going we're to suspend the Jones Act for as long as this thing lasts. It, it would have changed the psychology of the whole operation, yeah, right? Yeah, probably. I right? agree with that. It would, and, and you know what? And then the third thing he should have said was, and we're going on a drilling spree. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it goes back to like my point about COVID and the, all the rules and stuff that they suspended right with telemedicine where you can yeah, you know man. or you don't need a license if you're a doctor in, in nevada you don't you can practice in colorado all that other stuff if it's good enough in a in a legitimate like and i use the word crisis in air quotes because everything's yeah. a damn crisis yeah. but if it's good enough in that situation that should tell you that it's good enough period yeah mo look most federal most federal bureaucrats want to do the right thing want to move along they're impeded by the rules as much as anybody else. You clear the rules out of the way, federal government can do a bunch of stuff really quickly. So, and you know what they're going to come back to? Just predictive. We're going to talk about Spro because, you know, that's yeah. everybody's favorite yeah, toy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pointless and it's stupid. It stupid um, and, and it gives you a sense it of It is not what it was thing. intended for. It, it, it was it, never intended for it, economic, you know, to, it, it to help. It like, can't solve the, this problem. You know, it, right, of course. Can't solve this problem. All right, I got one more on this, and then we'll wrap from uh, our good friend Circleback. Do you worry that this could impact the pledges that countries are willing to make? Will other governments get weak need about going green at a time when they're facing brewings of political crises at home or really skyrocketing prices of non-renewable fuel sources? We certainly hope not. 
I mean, I think what <laughs> COP26 is about is to continue the, con the conversation uh, on the international stage at the leader level uh, that has been going on below the leader level continuously, basically, about our need to work together to address the climate crisis, uh, one of the greatest national security crises, the presidencies, a number of other world leaders agree on that front. Certainly, we all want to keep gasoline prices low, uh, but uh, the threat of the crisis, uh, the climate crisis certainly can't wait any longer. Uh, I give her full credit for telling everybody what they think is important. They think the climate crisis is more important than the energy crisis we're currently facing. You know yeah, what? There's a couple of things here. Uh, I, I I did that to segue to, to, to this. Lay it on me. Um, this couldn't have, I don't want this. I, I don't want this for anybody. I, this is, you know, this is contributing to our malaise, if you will. Right. Uh, to, to go back to the Carter days. Shut up. But. Could this not have happened at the most opportune time in the run-up to COP26 from a political, sort of a strategic political perspective? They have no idea how to get out of this problem. But the whole point of COP26 and the addressing the existential threat is for the things that are happening right now to happen. Yeah, I was right? going to say for for but if they if they if this is the yeah. result of what they're seeking yeah, yeah. in Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree totally. That that's why I don't understand about that meeting. If I was the oil guys, I'd been like, why are we having this conversation? You guys should want high oil and gas prices. You're getting high oil and gas prices. This is what transition's going to require. So Good luck on you. Yeah. There's a lot going like there's a lot swirling here. It could go yeah. really, really badly. It's, right. It, and we were talking at lunch today. You you know, we we are used to the markets doing everything they can to stop the worst of the worst. Sure, man. Right. That's what they do. They respond to these things. Prices, you know, district, you know, trans moving this stuff yeah, around, stuff, et cetera, stuff et cetera. Goes, right? Stuff goes to where the money so is. So yeah. they it will it will we'll come out of this on the other side. And, sure. and what's gonna happen with the left and these guys is once they get past it and wipe their brow because they've been sweating, they're going to be like, this just shows that we have to get off of these products because they're so expensive. And it also shows that we're not trans, we're not uh, transitioning fast enough. Yeah. We need more renewables. We need more of this stuff, right? Yeah. That's going to, this is where it's going to, this is where they're going to yeah, try to, to uh, this is the narrative that they're going to try to spin yeah. on the other side of this. Yeah. Thing. So I, I agree. Right. I agree, and that's what I, 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 from a propaganda point, I worry about it, right? Because it's inaccurate. Um, you know, we're going to have dead people in Europe this this winter because of um, cold, right? Because they in Europe now, um, you know, second most prosperous place on the planet because they can't afford to heat them their houses, right? Um, sufficiently. Uh, we may have a similar situation in China. Um, hard to say, right? But um, we had 700 dead in Texas last winter, and nobody cared. You know, we had 700 dead not because of wind and not because of solar, not because of natural gas. We had 700 dead because the system that the people had set up didn't didn't um, appropriately value reliability. So, um, and no one's been held accountable, right? To your point about hey, you get through a crisis and you basically say, oh, okay, we need to keep doing what we're doing because obviously, you know. 
No, 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 no. They they fired those board members at ERCOT who weren't living in Texas. Yeah, and, and everybody that was it. That was happy. And hey, and they they're gonna put some blankets on some the of the Yankees. Gas, the, the Yankees the fired their three coaches. Right? Everything's so, fine, right? <laughs> it, it it um, yeah. No, I agree totally. That that the the big question here is here. Here's the reason why I'm confident that ultimately all this stuff's gonna get exposed as ridiculousness. Um, this is the first legitimate thing like this that has happened, right? But it's not going to be the last. You know, the physics and the chemistry of the world is like this. You can't keep 8 billion people fed, clothed, and heated and cooled in the summer um, on wind and solar power. No, and you, you just can't. We don't have the capacity. And, and, and I'm sorry, but like the the idea that you know, we are so fond of these three sources of energy um, is because they work. Yeah, man. They replaced other stuff that sure, didn't. In most cases, they replaced already wind. Well, let, let's wind, it, for example, it, it, or whale oil, right? If something else comes along that displaces these resources that are cleaner, that are fast, that are more more reliable, that you can move around the way that you can move this stuff yeah, sure. around... I'm all for it. I'm. I'm. Let, let, I'm, I'm let, I'll be the first person to say we need to. We can move over to course, these. Of course. Look, let's be clear about this, right? Um, something better is going to get invented at some point, and we'll all use it, and that'll be great. Um, but it's not going to be. It's not going to have to be mandated. Just like oil and gas didn't have to be mandated. Everybody took a look. Like coal, everybody took a look at it and said, coal rather than wood. Yeah. Yes, please. Right. Um, yeah. Well, what and 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 you know, oil, gasoline rather than horses, over twenty years. Yes, please. Um, nobody needed to be you know, forced into making those yeah. decisions. So and, yes. So that that's thing one and thing two is, um, you know, wind and solar perfectly good. But when wind and solar ruled, there were wind and solar and biomass wood ruled. Right. There are a billion people on a planet. Top end. That's that's what the planet and, could actually. And life was a lot. That, that's what it could. That's what it could manage. The only reason more harsh, and we didn't live nearly as long. The only reason there's seven and a half, eight billion of us is because of the the energy revolution, right? The industrial revolution, and because we were able to adapt to the climate. Yeah, and and like I said, I mean, I'm curious to see what's going to happen this winter. I'm I'm fearful and curious all the I same. I'm fearful. I I uh, one of our friends tweeted something out um, on all of this, talking about how expensive it's going to be to get out of this situation, uh, and I agreed with him that it's going to be expensive. Um, I just hope that uh, the loss of life is minimal, minimized, mm -hmm. and and I and I say this with all sincerity. Governments and these NGOs. And these BlackRock ESG type things, they're responsible for this. This is on them. Yeah. I mean, it, they're the ones who are driving all this garbage, the UNs and the IMFs and all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're responsible for the situation that we're sure. in. Sure. But, you know, it's because they imagine, well, whatever. Yeah. So I just wanted to get that off no, my chest because it really annoys me. It's the right way to think about so. it. It is the right way to think about it. People, people who stand to either make money or gain power are the ones responsible for the dead people in Texas, and they will be responsible for whoever shows up dead in Europe this week. And the producers here— We're probably going to get sued because of that. Yeah, probably. And the producers here, the oil and gas producers, are smart. They're not—right they're not, now, they're not biting at this. 
right? They're yeah, being disciplined. Yeah. And part of it is because of the fact that all this ESG stuff is, has basically said them the message to them is, okay, uh, we're not going to be there for you when times are good, right? Yeah. So why would they, I mean, I know eventually if there are going to be some wildcatters out there or some, some guys who run like an auto shop and either to go drill a hole somewhere, but they're being really disciplined yeah. right now. And they're holding on to their cash and trying to make, trying to survive, trying to survive, trying exactly. to survive. So, and that's I don't a, blame them. Well, that's honestly. okay. They have the American Petroleum Institute to speak on their behalf. <laughs> okay. A couple more things on COP26 in general or oh, the players please, or the participants. Please make it stop. Quickly. You asked me to share this article with our readers. Was I drunk when I did that? From the Washington Free Beacon. No, it was 5.10 p.m. I hope you were not drunk at the time. Yeah, it was a borderline thing. <laughs> <laughs> Republican senators call on Biden to investigate special envoy oh, carries. Oh, my God, did you read the story? Overseas investments. Did you read the story? Yeah. Kerry holds $1 million stake in Chinese group that funds company blacklisted for human rights violations. Yeah, this is pretty grim stuff. Republican senators are demanding that the Biden administration investigate Climate czar John Kerry's overseas investments of at least a million dollar stake in a Chinese investment group that is a top shareholder of a Chinese tech company. Um, Tell them what the tech company makes. Where is that? I missed that part. China, right at the bottom. It, Hill Hill House is a top shareholder in YITU Technology. Yeah. YITU Technology, which is involved in China's high tech surveillance. Yes. On operation against the Uyghur people yes and help develop a facial surveillance software for the Chinese government that sorts individuals by race and ethnicity yeah. so I guess it really isn't slavery really isn't in John Kerry's lane it, or it, maybe it, it is this is this is this is some of the darkest stuff I can remember right you have a you have a former Secretary of State of the United States of America actively involved in a company that makes stuff that suppresses human rights. You're not talking about some some fourth, you know, connection, some fourth degree connection. Secretary Secretary Kerry is making money off of slavery. I, I, I like to make it simpler than that, but I can't. Okay. Um I want to remind folks of his of his quote when asked last month if it was necessary to trade human rights for climate concessions with China. Life is always full of tough choices. Yeah, man. It is full of tough choices. I, I don't know how he stays in that job after this. Uh, we're going to need a new climate is, is envoy. Is anyone covering it other than the Washington Free Beacon? I think they will start doing it because if I'm right, if I remember this correctly, either yesterday or today, um, a huge chunk of the Republican caucus asked the president to take a look at this. So it's just a matter of time till this pops, right? So uh, between that and him, him flat out admitting that the president had no idea that he was screwing the French. I, he's a great man. <laughs> okay, one more. And I, I know I'm, I got to just get this one out because it's just rich. Politico wrote a piece, the Davos crowd takes over COP26. <laughs> I read this. You did. Scotland's largest city, famous for deep-fried Mars bars, club nights, and sectarian soccer rivalry is about to attract a network of global elites, more comfortable gathering over champagne in Davos for the World Economic Forum. Uh, it, this whole, DiCaprio, Bill Gates, Bezos are going, the UK royal family, um, 
Prince Charles isn't missing it. More than 100 national leaders, World Bank, uh, UN Secretary Guterres, World Bank Chief David Malpass, the whole game, the Dav the whole Davos crowd is is heading over to uh, to Glasgow. Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan Chase, of course. Uh, the whole thing lists like how impossible it is to get rooms because there's not ever, enough people. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. It's a it's a tiny, awful little town in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it I. Don't get me wrong; it's Glasgow's jewel city and all that other stuff. Uh, Scotland's jewel city and all that other stuff, but it's a small town. Let me just read this a little bit. Up to thirty thousand people are expected to descend into the metro area, though the city has fewer than twelve thousand rooms. Only around two twenty three hundred short term rental properties. That's driving Davos style prices for rooms. One of the few three bedroom townhouses will set you back thirty one thousand dollars for thirteen nights. A room at the Three Star Merchant City Inn is available for $14,360. The cheapest options political found, a twin bunk bed and a six-bed female dorm room with shared bathroom at Tartan Lodge, $300 a night. Now, why do I yes. always feel like I'm being punked? <laughs> what do these, you have in mind? These guys are all chastising us oh, yeah. about our lifestyles. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole thing's ridiculous. I... I, I, I you know what? I like it. I, I tell you why I like it. Because they, they're so out of touch. They have no conception of what it looks like to everybody else, right? It looks like what it is, right? Which is a bunch of rich dudes fly their private, private planes in and hang around with each other and talk about how they're going to figure out a way to like extract more money from us or suppress our political sentiments or whatever, right? It. I'm glad they do it. I can't believe they do it because it's just like... It's just out there. It's just out there. They're just like, you know what? We're doing this, and we think you guys are too stupid to figure it out, right? And the thing that it's a it's a big joke, isn't it? It's yeah, it's a, it's a big joke, and we're and we're like the 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 no the we're, punchline. No, we're not. They're the punchline. And look, I, I think I wrote this in a column two months ago. I'm like, look, nobody really believes this existential threat stuff, right? Because if they did, they would amend their lives. And if you notice, none of those chuckleheads oh, is amending no, no, their lives. No, 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 no. You're wrong. Yeah. You are wrong. And they, let me show you, let they, me give you a tangible example of how you're wrong. This is from does somebody actually The Guardian. Believe, someone believes it's an existential Prince threat? Prince Charles reveals oh, his wine. car yeah. runs on cheese and wine byproducts. Yeah, I saw that. Burnishing his green credentials before the COP26 summit, it was with pride that Prince Charles revealed that he runs his Aston Martin on, quote, surplus English white wine and whey from the cheese process. It's, it, I hope he drives carefully, was one response on social media. Uh, Prince it, Charles' quaint solution to decarbonize his Aston Martin using a high blend of bioethanol. <laughs> this guy was like, it's beyond parody. Should not be mistaken for a serious solution to decarbonize vehicles. Uh, it's beyond parody. The whole thing's beyond parody. I mean, how many miles you figure he puts on it? Like, how how far do you figure they let the prince drive <laughs> no, in any no, year? It gets better. Charles made his comments in an interview with the BBC in which he said that world leaders gathering at the COP26 summit should take ambitious action on the climate crisis rather than just talk. I agree. You and first. take notice of how despairing many young people are about the issue. He also discussed his own efforts 
to reduce his carbon footprint. And I quote, I haven't eaten meat and fish on two days a week. Wow. And I don't eat dairy products Ever. on one day a week, he so said. So he's down to if six If more did that, you would reduce a lot of pressure. Yeah. Here's another idea, Charlie. <laughs> You could give up some of your private planes or one you of your or guy? one of your nine castles. I'm like it look. <laughs> I, I've now, said I've said this before in a bunch of different ways. I'll say it again. Right, so you're gonna read something else? There's some other no, terrible. Go ways? ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. It nope. Literally the only people who who take this stuff seriously and report it with a straight face, and even them I think they're smart enough, they must know what they're doing. Or the 37 climate beat reporters now for the New York Times, right? Who always like, oh, the existential threat, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, dude, come on. That's thing one, right? Everybody must know it's a, it's a put on by now. And second, you know, the, the mass movement that the climate guys want to mimic is, of course, Christianity, right? The, the widespread adoption of Christianity over the first and second and third centuries. Um, after the death of Christ. And um, and the tricky thing there is, is that all those guys were martyrs, you know. There's just a whole hell of a lot of martyrs. They gave up pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. Um, if the first they Christ took it pretty seriously. They practiced what they right, preached. Exactly. Right, exactly. That's where I'm where going. going. Yeah. Yeah. If, the, if the first Christians had like, yeah, sure. We're going to continue to kill people in the in the forum. We're yeah, going to continue to we'll still slaughter lambs. And, we're going to keep know. throwing our babies on the trash piles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we believe in Jesus. Yeah, it it they. No, I get it. The whole thing's going to be on parody. It. I don't even know what to say about it because it's just it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, and with all this is the point of my my earlier was with all this stuff going on. Yeah, globally. Yeah. Yeah, You're which gonna... is basically a foreshadowing of what life will be like. Yeah, yeah. If they get their way, yeah, uh, they're uh, they're all hanging out in Glasgow because they haven't been to Davos in a couple of years. Which is funny because right because Scotland, I'm willing to bet you Scotland's going to have uh, a larger percentage of mortalities in the UK due to weather this winter than anybody else. Right, um, it's enough to make you hate rich people, and I, and I. Yeah, and I don't. I do. I, well, I mean, I I don't. I'm starting. To, I don't I'm, hate trying to accumulate wealth. I do. I'm done with all this. I do. This BlackRock business. I'm starting. I'm nuts. starting to think that the correct act, the correct I, tax regime, is to take take literally every dollar over your first billion. I I actually said that because Bannon. You, can, you remember when Bannon floated like, well, let's tax the rich a little. Yeah. I think they should have threw that in that tax bill. Yeah, man. Really Hell do. yes. And I, I am not a fan of this. But I'm a tax revolutionary. Think, I'm not sure that I think I, that I don't think anyone should steer nine trillion dollars in assets. No, of course not. I, I think that's too much. Of course, I'm, I'm a free market guy. Of course, but I think that's a little. I'm not excessive. a free market guy. So I'm not a free market guy because it winds up with results like that. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm starting to. Yeah, no. Everybody's yeah. coming around yes, to where I am eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all want to be like you, Mike. It's not we right just don't away. Want to admit not it. right away, but you get to it eventually. <laughs> okay, um, let's do some Terry McAuliffe. I mean, even at a billion dollars, you can still have your crummy private plane. Let's, it's just going to cost a little bit. Let's do some Terry McAuliffe. Uh, we so, got a couple, what, a couple more weeks until the election. Two weeks and four days. I don't think he's doing very well. I think he's sort of getting a little rattled. Let me play this clip. Yeah. 
I want to turn your attention to critical race theory. It's been talked about as well quite a bit recently. I have two questions for you on this. So how do you define critical race theory? I answer this question very clearly. It's not taught in Virginia, and it's never been taught in Virginia. And as I've said this a lot, it's a dog whistle. It's racial, it's division, and it's used by Glenn Youngkin and others. This is the same thing with Trump and the border wall to divide people. We should not be dividing people in school. So how do you define it? It, it, Anita, it is not taught here in Virginia. But how do you define it? Doesn't matter. It's not taught here in well, Virginia, so I'm not going to spend my time. On, on what it is. I'm not even spending my time because the school board and everyone else has come out and said it's not taught. It's racist. It's a dog whistle. But if we don't have a definition, how can we say it's racist? I just want a definition from yeah. you. It, it's not taught here in Virginia. We can ask about any topic. Here's what I've said all along, and it really bothers me. You know, I re it really bothers me. This whole idea of stirring parents up to create divisions. Our children are going through such challenges today because of COVID. And we're talking about something here today, wasting precious viewers' time who want to know what I'm going to do on health care, what I'm going to do on job creation. And we're talking about something that's not taught in Virginia. Our friends at MRC provide us with that clip. Yeah. Media Research Center. Thank yeah. you, guys. Um. You don't have to comment. I just thought well, it was interesting. I, I, uh, there's know, a lot in that. He, but. He's, <laughs> he's on a very slippery slope here, right? Um, I mean, I'll give you the snapshot of the race right at the moment, right? Um, survey data hasn't changed that much, right? Um, McAuliffe still leads, but it's always inside the margin of error um, among likely voters. But among the most highly motivated voters, Youngkin leads. Um, He's having real trouble with this parent thing, right? Which is why he didn't want to engage on it on that question. Um, among parents, um, Youngkin's probably got a 12, 15 point lead, right? You had two really interesting competing surveys come out. One was um, one was by the RGA and one was by Fox. One was uh, RGA was last week. Fox was this morning. Fox had um, uh, McAuliffe up by uh, two and a half percentage points, I think. But it also had Joe Biden's favorable approval rating at 50% in the Commonwealth among um, likely voters. I'm like, there's no way in the world that's true, right? So I went down into the guts of the survey and it turns out, hey, not everybody was a likely voter. They surveyed 1,000 registered voters and then over and then dropped in 726 likely voters. I'm like, okay, so they blended the sample. I think that's what happened. Hard to figure out from the explanation. Anyway, long story short is you're not supposed to do that. It's a no-no, right? That's the Fox guys. RGA last week showed Yunkin up, I think by one or two points. This thing's going to get won by 50,000 votes, right? And like three and a half million cast. I've been saying that for like four months now. I'm getting tired of saying it, but it's true, right? Somebody's going to win or lose this thing by a point and a half. Spent a good chunk of the last week driving around Virginia. Um, two things struck me and spending some time with um, the campaign. Two things struck me. Um, one is there's just some I haven't seen since the McDonald campaign back in 2009, the last day why the um, Republicans won in the state. The Republicans are winning the sign war. And not just at the top, yeah, right? Not just yeah. at the top of the ticket, at the lieutenant governor's race and the attorney general's race and in the um, 12 to 14 de uh, targeted yeah. House of Delegates races, right? And that's important, right? Those 12 to 14 House of Delegates races that are targeted because they're in the swinging districts, right? They're where that governor's race is going to be won or lost. And in almost every case, the Republicans have a better candidate 
and have been doing better than the Democrats. So the other thing that strikes me is, that, that struck me rather, is that on um, last Friday, last Friday, um, last Friday we had to get out the vote in Chesterfield County, right? Typical rally. Um, uh, Yunkin showed, um, local delegates showed up. We had 1,200 people, which it is about 1,100 more people than we usually get these things, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, there's just a big surge on on this side. And when you talk to your Demo you know, Democratic friends in Virginia, they all say the same thing. They're like, well, survey, look, you know, survey work, work looks okay, and I think Terry's going to pull it out. But you and I have been through enough campaigns, and I'll, and I'll tell you, at the end of the week, what I told a reporter yesterday, in 2016, I did kind of a similar thing. I spent three weeks in Wisconsin and Michigan, right around now, right, in latish October. And um, I drove out of Wisconsin with a very clear thought that Ron Johnson was going to win that race um, and that he was going to pull Trump over the finish line in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. And I drove out of Michigan thinking... Jack Bergman's going to win that race up in the one, up in the Michigan first, the upper, the upper peninsula in upper Michigan, the upper mitten. And he's going to drag Trump over the finish line in Michigan. And that's exactly what happened. And drove around Virginia last week. And I thought, yeah. I came back, I thought, the, the surge is all one way yeah. here. Well, conversely, we're, we're gonna, we're conversely I've been in situations where. Yes, you can feel. You're, you can yeah. feel that it's you can over, feel it, right? yeah. And it, you just you know, and you know, and you're going through the motions at that point because, you know, nobody's saying it. It's not spoken, but when you're, when you're explaining, you're losing, yeah, right? Man, that's, and, yeah. and that's what's going on right here. I think I think Youngkin's going to win. So I think Youngkin's going to win. You know what else is going to happen? And I think this is going to shock everybody in town. I think we're going to win all three of the statewides. I'm sure we're going to win two of the statewides. I'm, I'm pretty confident we're going to win all three. And I think the Republicans are going to take back the House. Yeah. It's going to be like 50-50 in the House or 51-49. Well, there, there's a couple more clips and, and one I didn't pull um, of McAuliffe because he he was yakking about how T Terry uh, uh, Youngkin is going to, you know, bring Trump. Bring Trump no, is going to destroy your right to choose, right? When the legislature passes that bill... He's going to sign it. <laughs> right. Well, that implies that the legislature is going to be bill. Republican. Yeah. Right. So he, he kind of screwed up there. But then there were two others. I'll play this one real quick. Yeah. But we got to get Democrats out to vote. We are facing a lot of headwinds from Washington. As you know, the president is unpopular today, unfortunately, here in Virginia. So we have got to plow through. Yeah. You know that. Okay. That's an interesting thing to say too, right? There, there's three things that they, there's three things the McAuliffe campaign is looking at as far as polling, right? One is he's tied. He's not shackled to Biden, but he's tied to Biden, right? As Biden's been dropping into polls, McAuliffe's been dropping into polls. President won this thing, won Virginia by ten points. There's there's a theory out there: Virginia's a purple state. Virginia's a blue state. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't believe it's a purple state. President won by ten points. Yeah. Yep. Democrats hold the House. Um, it's like the Senate, Washington the state Senate. State. Yeah. You, you, the you, House, you, the state Senate, they hold all three, all yeah. five statewides. Um, so anyways, Biden's been dropping, McCall's been dropping with him, right? Um, the other two things he's looking at is that women are much less interested in the process than they were in, in, in 2017 um, and 2020, right? And that um, that's especially prevalent among black women. 
right? So he's just got himself a turnout problem and an enthusiasm problem. And I don't know how he. Yeah. Last clip from, uh, you know, uh, open uh, hot mic moment. But this was the Virginia Rising guys. They're kind of like trolling them a little bit. Sure, man. But I want to play this too because I just it just gives you a sense of his temperament right now. What do you think should be in control of education if not Virginia parents? Vaccinated, yeah, that's the question I want to know. Who do you think should be in control of education if not Virginia parents? You got to see the video. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. He's scrambling. He's scrambling to get into his car. Yeah, he's trying to get in his car. He's like, you haven't been vaccinated. You, you put a it's dangerous. Like, he's just like, yeah, it, he's it, just. He's flailing a little yes, bit, right? Absolutely. It, it it um it has implications. Apart from you know, I live in the Commonwealth, so I obviously have some rooting interests here, um, and I'm represented by a Democratic um, delegate. I wish I wasn't, but I am. And I think we're going to solve that problem. And in my own district, um, it's going to terminate the Biden legislative agenda here. In town. Well, the if, if, if he if we get if we get to dis, if, if it's still being considered on November second, we, we uh, chatted about this. Depending on it, the outcome of of this, could, will have an impact. Definitely, it'll terminate. The, it, there will be no there will be no moderate who will want to vote for it, and that will finish that will finish the conversation. Both of these pieces of legislation will fail. I, I don't know that that's the case. I that do. Both of them will fail. I do because all. The, I do because the progressives will not vote for it for for the infrastructure. They won't for for any of this. They won't vote for the infrastructure. No, they'll be like, forget it. Why? But why do I do this? Right? And and I guarantee you, the the autopsy on the left should McAuliffe lose. The autopsy on the left is not going to conclude that he lost because he was too moderate. Of course, the autopsy on the left will conclude he lost because he was insufficiently progressive. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. So. And and, I, I don't all, see, and all of it is going to be this is the their go to is that you know we our stuff is popular you hear you're hearing yeah, this our things are is popular we're just not communicating that's it, right. right that's right well in all fairness Republicans do the same kind of stuff um, just the math is like this though um, if Youngkin wins for the three statewide Republicans to win for any one of them to win they're going to have to win the 7th district they're going to have to win the 2nd district okay those are inhabited by two democratic moderates one Abigail Spanberger other Elaine Luria right by the beach um, they're going to have to win probably those two districts you can't think of any other way to get to win statewide except you win in those yeah. in those districts if you're a Republican Abigail Spanberger loses you she's know she's already kind of She's iffy. Annoyed. She's iffy. Right. All this stuff. Elaine Lurie is iffy. And every other moderate, those 30 other moderates sitting in Republican districts are going to look at that and they're going to be like, okay, we're done with this foolishness. Yeah. Give us the infrastructure I, I bill and let a, us there's vote. Definitely a, there's, there's definitely it, it's, a, a it, 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 good chance that that, that sinks the whole operation. Yeah. And honestly, like what we were saying, like the, the 31st deadline was smart because- 
Got to gotta get it done before the election. That like, way, you, you know, you it's done. Science you deliver, but they, I don't think logistically they can do they it. They can't. They're sitting around. They're they not, can't. They're not even they can't. working. I'll, I'll, so. It is weird, right? And and also, you know, that when they voted so, on the death ceiling, you know how many people mailed in their proxies? Oh, I assume everybody. It was like a hundred something. Sure, I'm sure it was everybody. It's crazy. Why would, you, why would you fly in here just to do it that? It is insane. The... the one thought on the timing on this thing, the, the October 31st thing, apart from the fact that they took two weeks off, right? Um, CBO last week told them, hey, we've only managed to score four of the 13 titles. There's no way we can score them prior to the middle of November, best case. Hard for me to imagine we're going to go to a vote without a score. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible, it, right? If, let's put it this way. Let, let's you and me have a side bet. I'll bet you that if Yunkin clearly trends towards winning, Pelosi's going to insist on a vote. The other, like, right. On, on infrastructure or on the whole thing? Uh, the whole thing immediately. She's like, yeah. forget it. Let's just make a deal and get out of here. Yeah. The other thing that makes me think that's going on, yesterday the White House sent a senior official, I think it was Ron Klain, out to the media to tell them that, hey, we're done talking. It's time to start voting. And and all I could think of is and tick, The tick, Virginia tick, tick, tick. senator said. Uh, Mark Warner said, yeah. I want to vote on the infrastructure bill. <laughs> the House should call up the infrastructure yeah, bill and vote on that. Kind of tied into the state a little right? bit. Right. They can so. all, everybody can kind of yeah. feel what's going on yeah. in Virginia. They're like, we've got to clear this thing before they, before the results come in. Okay. We it's, gotta... it's, it's weird that it's come to this. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it feels like it feels like 92 all over again. Yeehaw! So it, it all is coming back. All right. What else do we got? Circle. All right. Um, Are we going to lightning have, round? We're going to uh, lightning round? No, I have a piece that I want to. I just want to. It's a the, the tail end of, of the the big keynote speech uh, in at, at the big Russian Energy Week conference, and uh, uh, it is a certain power player in in Europe. Uh, let me just play the clip and we can chat about it. Once again, higher prices on gas in Europe are a consequence of a deficit of energy and not vice versa. And that's why you should not deal in blame shifting, as we can say. This is what our partners are trying to do. Sometimes you're hearing people talk about this very topic and you're surprised at that, quite shocked, as if they totally ignore the numbers. They do not see what the situation really is. They're just trying to rectify their own mistakes. Over the last 10 years, step by step, systematic flaws were introduced into the European energy system and they led to a massive energy crunch. Yeah. That's Vladimir Putin. No, I knew it was Putin. Yeah. So the crystal, crystallized, you know, very succinct and spot on. And, and you know what else? Ferociously capitalist. Yes. Ferociously free market. <laughs> like, hey, man, you guys made mistakes and you're about to start paying for them. And we, I feel really bad. You know, the funny thing is we were talking about teeing this winter thing up. In a way, that's what Putin was doing there, right? He was like, can't blame me. You guys have been you guys have been assembling this thing for 10 years. Yep. It. Meanwhile, Nord Stream 2 is flowing now, right? So It's open, yeah. There we go. I, thanks, thanks, Joe. Thanks, President Biden. I, you know, but do, do Germans get what the Germans want in Europe, right? I, maybe we have the wrong president. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, 
Maybe it's the, the opposite. Like maybe this guy's helping Putin. Can we can we trade? I wonder if we could trade. Oh my gosh, that's just ooh, blasphemy. He's, Meanwhile, in the UK, uh, Boris Johnson is doubling down on the carbon tax in 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 the UK. In the Times uh, on October 9th, Bojo ministers will announce plans for levies on gas bills to fund low carbon heating within the next fortnight, despite rising prices, the Times have been told. The government will publish a new strategy with a carbon pricing scheme that could push gas bills significantly higher. The strategy, which will be published before the COP26 climate conference next month, commits the government to cutting the price of electricity, which is significantly higher than gas. It will seek to end quote-unquote price distortions by removing green levies from uh, electric bills. Ministers have been warned that the average annual energy bill could reach 2,000 pounds next year if wholesale prices continue to rise. Well, so like 80 bucks? So. 2,000 pounds? Yeah. What, what, no, I think it's a little higher than What is that, that, nine shillings? Wait, I, is this, hey, pennies. The whole thing's rent. <laughs> This guy, I'll tell you what, man, I'm just like, whew. I think you should wait until the moment of ener Bojo. energy deficiency to impose a carbon tax. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. How do we beat these guys? I don't know. Okay, you wanted to bring this up, so I'm going to hand it over to you. I don't even know what it is. Uh, this was from Seth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so those of you who are watching this might be aware that um, – that General Motors recently issued a safety recommendation for their bolts, like not to park them within 50 feet of other vehicles and um, park it on the <laughs> top deck of a parking garage, open air, and, you know, don't leave Basically, your... Basically, don't park it anywhere where... Don't leave like your vehicle charged on Destruction of a building. So I'm driving up to park the car at the Richmond Airport this week, and um, there's signs right at the front of the parking garage that say... Don't park, don't park, no EVs. No, no Chevy Bolts, no Chevy Bolts allowed. No Chevy Bolts allowed. And I was just like, I started laughing. Um, I probably shouldn't have because it costs GM $2 billion, um, which. But they're betting the company on EVs, Mike. What's what's the problem here? I, I mean. You got to think. You got to think. The, you know what? It's a little bit like Europe this winter. Eventually, experience is going to mug all these guys. Okay. Uh, it's like, you know what? It's like, kind of like being a liberal in New York, New York City now, right? You know, oh, yeah, I love all mankind and everybody should blah, blah, blah. And, you know, until somebody actually mugs you on a subway, then you're like, hey, we're going to need some cops in here. Same, okay, same. I got, I got a, we got, a, got a lot of, what, how long have we been going here? We got a half. All right, we got a bookie here. So uh, real quick on the uh, BBB, the Build Back Better plan, Committee yeah. to Unleash Prosperity and our friends at TPPF in, in Texas yes. just released um, uh, a economic impact uh, of the two of the plan, and there are three bullets: are the six point two trillion spread across the two bills would include, uh, which includes heavy taxing, spending debt, contributes to reducing growth rates for GDP, unemployment, income, and capital stock. Compared to the baseline growth over the next decade, this plan will result in dynamic economic effects of 5.3 million fewer jobs, which is good, kind of, because we have so many jobs right now. Lines, so maybe that's a good thing, it lines right? Up, it like, lines yeah. up with our current shortage. $3.7 less in GDP, $1.2 less in income, and $4.5 in new debt. 
So that's that's one of the latest. Yeah, I saw that. You know, I, I'm kind of underwhelmed by that. I mean, truthfully, in 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 the next decade, GDP is going to be twenty two hundred fifty trillion dollars. So the fact that we're losing four trillion of it, don't get me wrong, I'm not in favor of losing four trillion, but it's about a percentage and a half. I think the number's probably bigger than that. But yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. You could be wrong. I, I, let's put it this way: anytime the economists start talking. <laughs> I understand, yeah. but it, but it is so. You're in 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 most cases, the people who support this stuff are like, no, it's not going to be that high. It's only going to be two and a half trillion jobs lost, right? So I'm fine with that being part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, I, I never see the point in arguing so, these numbers. I just always want to put them in context. Like, it's not that's not as much as you think it is. Yeah. All right, um, I've got some. I don't know if I wanted to do this, but I think I need to. I got a couple of COVID clips. Go ahead. All right. I got to play this one because it just it just reminds me of how uh, lousy uh, Dr. Fauci really is. And by the way, have you seen this this Netflix, this uh, Disney channel, Disney Love Fest? The Nat Geo had like a, a, f a documentary on Fauci, right? Oh, for the love it's of God. It's getting all these like rave reviews. And then like if you look at the actual um, – uh, people polls on it like yeah. they're getting like getting the opposite right yeah. and then you've got Chappelle who came out with his new special and the reviewers are tanking the thing and the public is like like 98 percent right it yeah. reminds me of all in the family remember that show with, yeah, with Archie Bunker sure the whole thing was designed to you know Meathead wanted him to look stupid right and assume that everyone was gonna like hate the guy yeah so anyway here's a quick clip from our from our esteemed Dr. Fauci but you are a member of society. And as a member of society, reaping all the benefits of being a member of society, you have a responsibility to society. And I think each of us, particularly in the context of a pandemic that's killing millions of people, you have got to look at it and say, there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. Sure. I, you know, I got to be honest with you. That guy talks so much. I mean, I, why does anybody listen anymore? Okay. Well, I wanted to, to play this too. I found this, uh, and this has been floating around, but I think that uh, it's worth playing here real quick. This is from a, one of these confabs. The Millikan Institute and blah blah blah, and these are three three folks talking about universal vaccines back in 2019. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, "Hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet." But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be, you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, you have to prove that this works. And then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. 
there might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza, and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of a uh, novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. Wow. There's a lot in there. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, right? Yeah, man. It could take us take us ten years to figure out whether some will work. <laughs> will it? Will it now? Yeah, I just thought that was a. Uh, I know that that's been floating around, but I wanted our our listeners to hear that. So, okay. And then the only other thing I got on on COVID is, um, I was I was uh one of the lucky ones. I was able to fly out of Las Vegas on Monday morning. Southwest this past weekend on Southwest. But my salsa was a casualty because the airline was so full. I would, if I would have checked my bag, yeah, I wouldn't have made the flight. I mean, ah. it was five thirty in the morning, and the place was packed, lines like as far as you could see to to get, you know. To, to well, the good news is it's Mayor Pete's back on the job, yeah. so that's stuff's going to get <laughs> yeah. solved right away. But I want to ask you, uh, oh, what no. do you think? To uh, is this was this a soft walkout by the pilots? Oh yeah, for the course. vaccine yeah, mandate, of course, of course, of course. So wh why are we covering it up? What's the big deal? I'm not covering it up. Why? Why is the media covering it up? They're not covering it up either. They're just not all that terribly interested in it. I can't say I blame them. I mean, you can't cover every sick out in the world. Yeah, well, I thought thought it was interesting. I that mean, the, you know, what, what for some it, reason weather disrupted one airline. Yeah, it. Well, let's so. see. Like, a, like every good thing, right? They can't just say, tell the truth. Hey, man, the pilot sicked out on you. Um, it's weather. It's this. It's that. It's the other thing. The only people who look stupid wind up being the Southwest executives, right? Yeah. It just. Yeah. I, I love I, Southwest. Don't get me wrong. I just. Uh, I don't. You know, I mean, shameless look, plug. Look, I come from I come from New York City, right? So. Sick outs by labor unions are not the most shocking things I've ever heard of. You're just like, what? What? The steam fitters didn't show up for work today? Yeah, there's a, there's just so much going on right now. I think that folks are like, besides the COVID fatigue, with all this stuff going on, if, if you know, with, with shortages on shelves, takes forever for you to get a fridge and a microwave, like, I think people and cars, used cars, there's no, I mean, there are no cars, right? There are so. no cars. There's no a bunch of stuff. The um, it's not, it ain't good for the guys in charge. Let's the, just put it that it's way. It's terrible for the guys yeah. in charge. And what's worse is there's no sentiment. There's no sense that they have any ability to improve it. Right. Yeah. And and they're they, they for, for the, all their hate of Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, you know what they, you know, you know what they <laughs> the, need to they're do. They're making his his him Phoenix his Phoenix the Phoenix is going to rise again. I know it's crazy, right? right? It's crazy. Like I said, they're 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 making me money, so I'm glad. But um, look, you know what the Biden administration needs to do? 
now's their moment, right? Every administration has a readjustment after the first year or so. And this is their moment of readjustment. What they need to do is hire three or four people actually know what the hell they're doing. CEOs, former administration guys, Leon Panetta, somebody like that, right? Somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing. Get rid of the kids they have and just start to actually run this thing like an administration. Yeah, My guess is there's like happen. a 10% chance of that happening. Because that would require him to like make that decision. Well, it's, right? it'd be, look, it's like, so. it, it'd be like Trump hiring like legitimate help. Never going to do it. It's not going to do it. Not in the DNA. Yeah. Well, there's there's more bad news for Biden, too. The The fact is, is that his coveted child tax credit, which, by the way, I, I had to – you have no idea what I had to do to get off of that list. Get off of what list? They, they're sending me checks. Good for you. No, I don't want them. So Why I not? had to opt out of them. You have to register, sign in. It's it's really just they just they, take, they take, want to make it impossible for you to take opt the checks. Out of the checks. Take the checks. No, I do not want the checks. But the three hundred per child checks the federal government started sending to families over the summer, they thought this was going to be a big winner for them. Half a uh, uh, morning consult poll, half of respondents, forty seven percent gave. Congressional Democrats credit for providing the extra cash. However, even fewer, 38% credited Biden, while half of registered voters support the expanded payments versus 38% opposed. Only 35% want to make them permanent. So that's their signature thing that they're leading the Build Back Better it, on. It, it, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is the recipients don't care and everybody else doesn't like it. So it doesn't really, you know, it, it, uh, Grover Cleveland? I forget who it was, which one of them said, hey, you know, the, the great thing about being president is, you know, for every 10 job seekers, I get to I get to um, make nine enemies and one ain't great. <laughs> and I think about that sometimes, right? You want to bring this up? You flag this one for me. Uh, what do I got here? The, I think you set. guys have already killed. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, so, so Rob wants us to talk about the Clean Energy Performance Program. Um, this this thing, I'll just dispatch it as quick as I can. This thing's going to have one of three endings. Um, ending number one, it uh, turns into a subsidy for all utilities because um, Senator Manchin is successful at getting coal egg, and natural gas included in it. So they're just handing out free money to everybody. Um, option number, outcome number two is the progressives look at Senator Manchin and say, you know what? We don't really even like those guys that much. Yeah, so well, no. we're not going to give you them that for this because this isn't worth that. We're not, not going to give you anything. Right. Right. And then so they'll kill their own, their signature carbon, you know, carbon mitigation plan. Well, that it, Biden needs it, to walk it, over to twenty six. In all fairness, if it turns into a, it turns into a just a general subsidy for all generation, then what's the point? Um, and then the third, it just it means that the government is further metal meddling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, truthfully, at this point, I want to get rid of it too. And then the third option is is that the parliamentarian strikes it. If you've read the section, you know the parliamentarian should strike it because it goes well beyond reconciliation, well beyond reconciliation. Now, I know Rob's super concerned about writing in, um, super concerned about about the lies he's being told about. Um, by staff that, hey, we're going to have flexibility and blah, 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 blah. Um, if this thing ever happens, your problem's not likely to be at the Department of Energy. Your problem's likely to be at the IRS. You're going to have guidance on it that it's going to be terrible and need to be worked on. And you might as well just get used to the idea of needing a private letter ruling every couple of years or so on your own generation. 
Um, I don't could, think the utilities want, want the money that badly. No, and I think that that's garbage, and right? I, don't, I mean, I don't know of a single they, I know utility. That the, the you know, the store, the candy store is open, and, and I, I all don't that, know. But let me just stop you. That's I don't, a bridge I, too far. It seems I don't know like. a single utility who's. I don't know a single utility who's in favor of this thing. Yeah, they don't. For, they, they don't want the money. Some of them aren't saying that, but yeah, privately, yeah, yeah, privately, yeah. They, they, they don't want the money. Anyway, there's not even that much money. That's right. It's 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 not enough to worry about. Anyway, Rob, the short answer is. You are correct that everyone is being lied to about flexibility that DOE is going to give because um, DOE is not going to have the capacity mentally to manage that. Um, your your real your real um, opportunity and problem in the event this becomes law is going to be the IRS, and that's um, you know you're going to have to hire yourself a tax lobbyist. My recommendation is Pat Raffanelli; he's the best in the business. But you probably already have him on retainer. Oh, Pat. I haven't seen Pat. Yeah. Speaking of raspy voices. I haven't seen Pat in a week or two. <laughs> uh, he's always been a good dude. He's, he's, I probably should charge, I probably should charge him some kind of fee for that. Seriously. Like, with, you know, we, we keep plugging all these people. It's just, we're, we're not doing this right. Okay, one more, one more quick thing from Bernie Sanders. Two people do not have the right to sabotage what 48 want. Do 52 people have the right I, to sabotage? Last time I checked, there's 50. 52 people who don't want what 48 people want. And How did that last guy... time I checked, doesn't that make... So I understand why he's a socialist. laws are made? I don't know. I, I get it why he's a socialist. What I don't get is how could he do math that badly <laughs> and still be a millionaire for his personal life, right? Uh, it's because of his book. It's because of the residuals from his book. It's because of his real estate. So Guy owns three places on a hill or two. Two or three places on a hill. All right. Do you have anything else... I. I was going to withhold this from you, but I promised you that I would bring up all the things that you flagged for the podcast. So, because I think I know where you're Sheldon going. Sheldon Hines says, highly likely. Did I, did I say something about this? You sent me that and said podcast. And as Goodbye. soon as you flip the page, I'm pretty sure you're going to. This is, this is, this is the, um, this is the, this is the Neil Chatterjee plugged in thing, right? That's one of the articles in there. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I don't even want to, I don't even really want to comment on this. Look, here, here's as simple as I can make it. Josh Siegel and Neil Chatterjee have a new podcast they're calling Plugged In. It's one of 12 podcasts by that name. True story. Um, if you listen to Josh and Neil, I really, really, really um, would rather that you not listen to us. That's all. That's good. very I, diplomatic. I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't really want to share anything with Josh and Neil other than the planet I already share. Fair enough. Thank you for 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 that. Yes. Okay, that is everything. This is a jam packed episode, ladies and gentlemen, because you haven't heard from us in a little while, and I know you can't get enough of Mike, Michael McKenna and Tom Pyle. So that is a wrap. I'm going to close with a clip of the day. Yeah, I found a good one. Um, I'll just play it, and we're going to get out of here. Uh, hey, I watch Fox News because it's America. It's my America. It's it's a real station telling the real truth every day. And by the way. Let's go, Brandon. Okay, <laughs> <all right. laughs> I am now I'm including on my Twitter feed whenever I do, write an article, I do hashtag what would Brandon do? I did not see that coming. <laughs> that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go, Brandon. Namaste. Hey.